this guy here, you know, he was in our pastor's rotation for preaching until July 4th, I think it was, 1st of July. He got up here and he said something that shocked some of you, and it shocked all of us pastors. And so we have not had him in a rotation, but we're putting him back in now. And so we, he's, he's kind of stubborn. We had a little hard time showing him the truth. But you had to do it. Okay. Anyway, uh, he got up and shared that he, during a, fa- a three-day fast, he had, in his 50th hour, he was here in the church, and he was back there at the computer, and he had worship music going, and he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And in that encounter, he drew certain conclusions from it that we feel were totally wrong. One of them was that he was totally enlightened from it, and the other was that he realized that he had not been born again except it that moment. So he had been preaching and teaching over at Camp Owens and working for the church for several years, and he wasn't even saved. And that's what he said in the message that shocked us all. And basically, he's come to understand that that was a spiritual encounter with the Holy Spirit that he had, but his conclusions were wrong in it. We have convinced him that uh, we didn't make a mistake in making him pastor. And... uh, Love you. Took took a little work, but we got him there. And so now then that his thinking is straight in this area, he's going to be preaching for us this morning. (laughs) It's happened to me quite a bit. It's like he said, stubborn. When we're stubborn, uh, we have to get spanked quite a bit. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 23 says, But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I didn't stand firmly in that truth, and that's where I went wrong. But thanks to the help of my wife, like she said, it really was her that initially got me to where I could even hear them. Then I was able to come back and stand in the truth once again. Uh, So I'm glad to be in the truth instead of in... There's deception out there waiting for every single one of us. And every single one of us, uh, there really is a battle raging in the heavenlies for our devotion to God, which comes from what we believe about him. It's the battle is for us. Uh, Oh, you put that up there. Thank you. That was fast. 
Okay, you could go to the beginning of my message if you would, please. Let's pray. Father, just, we just want to thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being with us and just for your word that you give us so that as we receive your Holy Spirit and as you begin to quicken to us your power through your spirit that we have your truth to stand in to keep us grounded with that power. We know that you're looking for worshipers that worship not just in spirit, but in truth. And not just in truth, but in your spirit. Help us to be a people that are balanced, that are filled with the power of your spirit, but grounded by the anchor of your truth. Help us to see you today, Father. Help us just to see you. Amen. <clears throat> Dwayne has been talking about going back to the basics. Uh, so I thought it maybe we'd just start at the beginning. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, for the podcast, this is Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. And then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself 
according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. And then God said, Let there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed 
It was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God had made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedulam and Onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The same, the name of the third river is Hidekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, And brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was no helper, he found no helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, 
he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And I was thinking, what if that's all we had? Is Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And all we could see is that every intention that he had for each and every one of us was nothing but provision, love, and companionship, relationship. Because when we read Genesis 1 and 2 and we don't go into the other stuff, it becomes very obvious that God has the best, the very best intentions for us. Everything that he did all the way up until he made Adam was preparing a place for him. He was making the earth a place for Adam. And then he finally made him and put him in it. In everything that he did, he saw that it was good before he went on to his next day of creation. But he didn't stop at Genesis 1 and 2. We know what happens in Genesis chapter 3. And we know the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. So we have a whole entire history in a record of what happened after that. And somehow, so many of us have read the whole middle and the end of the book and got off track and somehow thought, There was something wrong with your intentions for us, God. There's something wrong with the way you treat us and how you interact with us. And we fail to see it as, I'm never going to give up on you. That's what the bottom line is. (laughs) I'm going to go through everything that you're going to read in this book with you guys going through the struggle with you, leading you, guiding you, until the day that I come and take your place for the sin that you did in the garden. And I'm going to take it all on myself because none of you could even handle carrying this burden anyways. And then I'm going to complete and remake man again. And then I'm going to invite you into myself so that you can be complete in me. 
and not in the fallen state that you chose in chapter 3. I didn't choose that for you. You guys chose that. Everything that I wanted for you, you could see clearly in 1 and 2. I don't know why we get so off track and why we assign so much blame to God. But somehow it's in the carnal nature to not be accountable. And we see that where he says, it wasn't me, it was her. (laughs) And she says, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. And you got to wonder what would have happened if Adam just was accountable right then and there. I know exactly what you told me, Father. I know you told me that I'd die. And I can't tell you why I chose that anyways other than the fact that all I had to be told is two lies about you that you didn't have my best intentions in your heart. Satan said he's trying to keep something from you. He doesn't want you to have everything. He just created everything for him. (laughs) Satan was able to say he doesn't want you to have everything. There's one thing that he's keeping from you, and it's in that fruit. And he's a liar, because if you eat it, You won't die. So he put two things. He planted two things in Adam. God doesn't have the best intentions for you. And he's not of his word. His word is not truth. And we all want to look and say, why did you do that, Adam? If I was there, I wouldn't have done that. Guess what? When we came to believe in Christ and received God's Holy Spirit, he brought us back to the garden and he gave us everything in himself and brought us into himself. He's totally perfect and complete. There's nothing missing from Christ. And those of us that have put our faith and trust in him and received his Holy Spirit We're in Christ right now, whether you realize that or not. And we still choose death every day. (laughs) Sorry for putting the blame on you, Adam. I realize that if I was in the garden, I would have done the exact same thing. And we can't ask, God, why why did you make it so good for him to fail? God can only do things good. When you are a totally holy, divine being that all that your character is made up of is love and holiness, that's all you can do. All he can do is what's good and perfect. But he's so committed to our choice of whether or not we're going to choose him that he lets us make that choice, each and every one of us. We choose 
to eat that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Like, I don't know why. Why didn't I get it? Like, I just spent a whole week eating that fruit, and it was nothing but death. (laughs) Why am I still eating it? And I just have to draw the conclusion that it's because I've failed to understand who I am in him. And I've failed to understand totally and completely that I am in him. And because I've failed to understand who I am in him, I've chose death instead of life, which is what he's offering me. And personally, I want to mature and grow up to where I can fully grow in the knowledge and the understanding of who he is, that I would never question him, that I would never doubt him, because I think the same issue with Adam is the issue with us. It's an issue of trust. We've, we're carrying so much baggage because of all that we've encountered in this life all the pain, all the hurt, all the rejection, all the abandonment, all the bad role models from fathers and mothers and siblings and all that stuff that somehow we have attributed all that we're seeing to the nature and character of God when he's completely clean hands and pure heart and has nothing to do with any of that. But because he's so committed to choice, that he doesn't want a planet full of robots that, yeah, they all chose you, but you made them do that. You programmed them that way. No, he didn't. He showed us who he is through his creation. Through his creation, it testifies to everybody about his goodness and his character and his power. And he's just asking us, if all the stuff around you is blinding you from who I really am, stop looking at all the human interaction that you somehow attribute that to my character and who I am, and look at what I've made for you. Look at what I've provided for you. And from that, begin to build the picture in your mind of who I am. Because that's what testifies to the whole earth, is the heavens and the earth, that he's a good, good father. And I wanted to also read to you the first chapter of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, peace to you, 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is past tense. He already did this. Just as he chose us in him, that is Christ, before the foundation of the world. Wow, so you knew we were going to do that? And you already had the solution figured out? That you were going to become incarnate? And you were going to come and pay this price for us? What happens when I add to the picture of God that I'm building with all of creation with you already knew you loved us so much that you let all this happen for us to have the opportunity to become sons and daughters and already had the solution figured out to our problem that we created. Wow. When I'm alone and I think about that, I just start crying and bawling and just thinking. And his love begins to just pour into me because I'm recognizing him for who he is and what he's done and that his intentions were already for restoration and salvation before we ever even screwed it up. You really do have it figured out. There's nothing that catches you by surprise, is there? And we're so ashamed of ourselves and all of our sin and our nakedness before him that we hide. And he's like, I already knew you were going to do that. All I want is for you to realize that I made provision for that. I already made a way for you to be complete and completely delivered from your own sin, your own brokenness, and your own corruption that you would choose, and just said, hey, it's, it can't get any simpler than this. You believe in me, and it's yours. There's no condemnation for those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And if we keep choosing to walk according to the flesh... We can't believe that he set us free because we're not living in that truth. We're not living in that freedom. So we keep subjecting ourselves to condemnation. The Holy Spirit just wants us to be convicted so that we'll turn from the sin, come to him, realize that, wow, I'm in you. I'm healed. I'm restored. I'm forgiven. I recognize that that's who I chose to be. But before the foundation of the world, you already chose something different for me. I'm going to come into that knowledge. I'm going to come into where I know that you've made me whole. This is who I am in Christ. I'm a whole and complete being. We're joint heirs with him. Like, not, we get a little bit of lesser of the kingdom, and he gets... The big part. No. Joint heirs with him. This is what he wanted to do. And it's by his grace that he rescued us. 
Would you please play that song, Brandy? I want you guys to listen to this song. This is by a guy named Joel Case, and the song is called Grace. And it ends up with Jesus just singing to the Father, and it's about him rescuing us from where we chose to go. He's crying out in John 17 that they would be where we are and not apart. That there would be such unity between all of them and us that they would be one just as you and I are one, Father. He's not mad at you. He already knew we were all going to do this. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, Paul says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience that you'll need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. We live in a whole nother truth that's completely contrary to God's truth because of the carnal nature. The carnal man cannot believe God. Romans chapter 8 makes it clear that that carnal man is at enmity with the spirit man inside of us that God has brought forth and given life when we were born again just through believing in Christ. Growing in the knowledge of God gives something that I don't know how to put words to, to something within us that gives us the ability to begin to put that carnal man to death and to crucify him. And when Paul begins his letters, he begins with helping them to understand who they are what's already been done and completed for them, and then admonishes them, based on who you are now, cut all this stuff. Let it all be cut out of your life. Let this carnal man die, because this carnal man thinks God's a liar. But the spirit man knows that God cannot lie. That everything that he says is truth. And when you let that carnal man die, it gives place for Christ in you to come forth to front stage and center and say, here I am, God. Total obedience, total yieldedness, and total submission. And then God's power can flow through us. And we can see what we've all been crying out for this whole valley to be rescued and saved.
But it can't come because we want the valley to be saved. It has to come from an intimate love relationship with him. And because we know who he is, we begin to understand who we are. And then we're filled with compassion for them. It can't be the reverse. It can't be the excitement about revival that I realize I can't have revival unless I come to you, so I want to come to you. It has to be, I totally blew it. You were so good always that you chose to restore me so that I could be in that intimate fellowship with nothing hindering, no separating wall between me and you, God. And then as we enjoy the fellowship of that love, that is eternal life, fellowship with the Father and the Son. Now we can do commandment number one. We can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength because we trust Him. And what was hindering us from coming to Him is broken down. We're coming through all the lies back to the truth. And now, since we can get commandment number one right, we love ourselves because we see that everything he has done screams, he loves us. And now we can do commandment number two, which is to love the Kern River Valley as we love ourselves. So, it's 11.30 straight up. Father, help us to just come out of the deception. Help us to realize who we are in you and everything that you've done for us. Help us to get it that the whole document, all 66 books is, you'll never give up on us. That's what it boils down to. You'll never give up on us. But you'll never take away our choice. Help us to see you rightly, that we would choose right from wrong, that we would choose life instead of death. Amen.